verse 6, If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Again, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Simon Peter has stepped out of the boat, and for a while he's walking on the water. We remember the story, I would hope. And as he's walking on the water, all of a sudden science kicks in. He looks around and says, wait a minute, I shouldn't be doing this. As a matter of fact, there's a storm going on. He saw the wind and he saw the waves. And when when he got his eyes off Jesus and began to look at the storm, he began to sink. And when he did so, he called out to the Lord Jesus, Lord, help me and uh, save me. And the Bible says the Lord Jesus grabbed him by the hand and the Lord Jesus said, O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, here in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 28, we've seen the polar opposite. This is not a person of little faith. According to the Lord Jesus, this is a person of great faith. Now, there are two times that the word great is used in, uh, in connection with faith in the Gospel of Matthew. One is in Matthew chapter 8. We won't look there tonight. The other is right here in Matthew chapter 15. And so, if this woman... <clears throat> according to the Lord Jesus, was a woman of great faith. I want to know why she was a woman of great faith. Because I think this passage bears out this truth. If you and I want to see great manifestations of God's power, then we're going to have to be people of great faith. I think this passage bears that out. I would like us to answer in the time that we have, why was this woman's faith great? I want to suggest a threefold answer. Number one, I want to suggest this woman's faith was great because of the object of her faith. We find that. We've read it, but let's revisit it in verse 22. The Bible says, Behold, a woman came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, Pastor, this is an interesting address. It was obvious that Jesus was the son of Abraham. He was a Jew. But to call the Lord Jesus a son of David takes it a little bit farther. Here was, in order to call him the son of David, she must have somewhere come into contact with what Jesus said about himself. What did Jesus say about himself? Well, Jesus said about himself that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. He was the, on, on, his, on his cross, they put, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's what he had said about himself. That's what the disciples had been saying about him. Somewhere along the line, this woman who was not a Jew had heard that this was not just any Jew. This Jesus of Nazareth was the son of David. That ties him in with the Davidic line and proves she probably understood that he was the promised Messiah. Let me tell you something. It is important that you and I have the right object of our faith. It's important. You know, we have a a tendency to want to put our faith in all kinds of things. We want to have a tendency to put our faith in, I I don't know, the political process. Maybe not so much here in Colorado, but uh, uh, we have a tendency to put our faith in in all kinds of things. You know, God is looking for you and me to put our our trust and our faith in Him. Here was a woman, and she had a problem. We're going to look at that in a moment. But she didn't go to the physicians. At least we don't read that she did. She didn't go to the, to, the, to, the, to the religious crowd of her day. At least we don't read that she did. What we read that she did was that she came to the Lord Jesus, and she understood this is no ordinary man. This is the promised Messiah, thou son of David. 
This woman's faith was great because of the object of her faith. I want you to notice this woman's great uh, faith was great because of the obstacles to her faith. We read about that. The Bible says in verse 22, she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, we don't know the specific symptoms in this case. But, you know, we do know some symptoms in other cases. You don't need to turn there. But in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, we read of a man who had a son who was vexed with the devil. Listen to what the man said about, this, about the symptoms of this demon possession, all right? Just put yourself in his shoes. The Bible says as soon as the demon-possessed boy saw the Lord Jesus, that the demon-possessed boy fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. <laughs> Spit is coming out of his mouth, all right? That's what it means. And the Lord Jesus looked at the father and he asked him, he said, how long is it ago since this came unto him? Now listen to the father now. The father said, of a child. In other words, this came on him when he was just a little boy. And the, and the Bible says, the father continued, he said, and oft times it casteth him into the waters or into the fire to destroy him. So let's just understand what's going on in this boy's life. Now, we don't know the symptoms of this girl here in Matthew 15, but we do know the symptoms of this boy in Mark chapter 9. You could not take this boy on a fishing trip. Doesn't matter if it's ice fishing. Doesn't matter if it's normal fishing like most sane people do. Doesn't matter, okay? You could not take this boy on a fishing trip. Why? Because as soon as this boy got near the water, the demon would come on him, and in an effort to destroy him and to kill that boy, the demons would cause him to throw himself into the water. Couldn't take this boy on a, on a wiener roast. Now, they were Hebrew national wieners, okay, kosher for everybody. So don't, get, don't come up to me after the service and say, well, Brother Paul, Jews don't eat hot dogs. They do with the Hebrew national, okay, and they're pretty good if, I, if you've ever had them. So they're Hebrew national hot dogs, we understand. You couldn't take him, though, to a wiener roast. Why? Because no sooner do you have the fire going and the fire is ready and you've got those uh, sticks uh, strategically placed so that the eight-year-old boys don't uh, maim themselves and poke somebody's eye out with them. No sooner do you have all that done than the demon comes on that little boy and throws him into the fire. Can you imagine what an awful existence it must have been? Now, I don't know the symptoms of this girl, but I'm going to tell you, it was a difficult life that this mother had to lead. My daughter, this woman said, is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, there were many times when the Lord Jesus, when he heard of a problem, he immediately solved the problem right away. But you know, that's not what the Lord Jesus did in this passage of Scripture. Notice what it says. We're in chapter uh, 15 of the Gospel of Matthew in verse 23. The Bible says, but he answered her, not a word. And can I tell you something? Great faith is made and displayed in the obstacles of life. Great faith is made and displayed in the obstacles of life. So here is this woman. She has a problem. She goes to the right source. She goes to the Lord Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus does not answer her right away. 
I want to tell you something. There are going to be times when you go in prayer to the Lord, you have a problem. You're not going to the secular psychologist. You're not going to anybody else. You're going to the God of heaven, and you're laying your problem out before Him. And there are going to be times, are you hearing me? There are going to be times when it seems like God in heaven isn't hearing your prayers. Oh, you say, Brother Paul, here we are. You are preaching in a prayer meeting. I mean, we just got done praying. If God's not going to hear our prayers, why are we praying? And that's exactly what Satan is going to whisper in your ear at times. If you don't believe there are times when it seems like God doesn't answer your prayers, you pick up your Bible tonight and you start reading the book of Psalms. You know what you're going to find in the book of Psalms? You're going to find people that poured out their hearts to God in prayer. Sometimes it seems as if, if you'll pardon the expression, God dropped everything that he was doing and he got right on answering our prayers. But then there are other times when we pray and we pray and we pray and it seems like God doesn't hear. I want to tell you something. Those times of God's silence are great times to build your faith and mine. Great faith is made and displayed in the obstacles of life. This woman brought her problem to the Lord Jesus. She poured out her heart to him. He didn't answer her. Not only did he, didn't, did he not answer, but notice in verse 23, his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. I mean, Lord, if you're not going to answer this woman's prayer, if you're not going to help this woman out, can you at least tell her to go? She is not letting up. She keeps coming and she keeps crying and she keeps voicing her complaint and she's not giving us any any peace. Lord, if you're not going to answer this woman's prayer, at least just have her go someplace else. I want to tell you something. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to have an obstacle, you're going to have a problem, you're going to bring it to God, and it seems that God does not answer your prayer. Wait a minute. You're then going to go to the people of God, and the people of God aren't going to understand either. Oh, now, wait a minute. We ought to be understanding. We ought to be a, a church that is, that is kind and compassionate. Certainly, that's what we strive to be. But guess what? We don't always get it right. This is one time the disciples didn't get it right. When that happens in your life and mine, Satan loves to get up on our shoulder and say, you see, God didn't answer your prayer, and God's people aren't what they ought to be. Why don't you just quit on God and give up on the whole thing? I've talked to people, pastor, who've done that very thing. Well, I had some kind of a problem, and when I had this problem, God wasn't there for me, so I haven't been in church since. I haven't picked up a Bible since, or, or whatever, whatever it may be. Can I tell you? That's not the time to quit and give up on God. That's the time to keep trusting Him because great faith is made and displayed in the obstacles of life. Look at the obstacles. Verse 24. But He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I got to tell you, in our day and age where we want to make a big deal about not being racially motivated, that verse kind of cuts across the grain. I mean, on the surface, on the surface, it seems as if the Lord Jesus is looking at this woman and saying, you, ma'am, are not a Jew. And because you're not a Jew, I can't help you. 
Well, you and I want to rise up and we want to say, but wait a minute, isn't God the God who will take anyone? And in Sunday school, we teach the boys and girls to sing red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Certainly that's true. Isn't this the same Savior that said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't this the same Lord of heaven that has said this? And now, now here is a woman. She's not a Jew. The Bible tells us she's a a Syrophoenician. In other words, she's a... she, she would be perhaps from the, the area that is today known as Lebanon. And, but at any rate, she was not a Jew. And yet she's come to the Lord Jesus with all of this. And, uh, and the Lord Jesus, after a long silence, after the disciples tried to come to the Lord Jesus and say, please get rid of this woman, finally Jesus speaks. Maybe now he will finally answer her prayer. But he does not. Instead, he looks at her and he says, I'm sorry, ma'am, you were born into the wrong family. You were, you're, you're not a Jew. I am not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, uh, ma'am, I can't help you. And you and I read that and it just kind of kind of makes us a little uncomfortable. What do you mean? What do you mean Jesus is not going to help this woman because she's not a Jew? But that's exactly what he's saying. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Today's world makes it easier than ever to compare ourselves to other people. Social media does that, doesn't it? But that's a dangerous thing to do. There have been times in my life where I have looked around and I have said, Lord, I am walking with you. I am trying to please you. I'm endeavoring to serve you, but I don't understand why you're blessing over here and it doesn't seem like you're blessing me here. Has that ever happened to you? It happened to the psalmist. And the psalmist wrote about it in the book of Psalms. Can I tell you, that's part of human existence. And sometimes we want to just kind of wave our hand in the air and say, Lord, I'm down here. Have you forgotten me? Or hear it from the words of the psalmist. How long wilt thou for cast us off forever? Lord, it seems like you're blessing in other places, but you're not blessing here. It doesn't seem like you even know that I exist. Lord, what is going on? But I want you to understand something. Those are times, too, that build our faith. And and this woman here, when the Lord Jesus looked at her and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, I know people that at that point would have said, well, if that's the way it is, and they would have walked away in a huff, they would have been offended. Not this woman. I want you to notice the response that she gave. We're in verse 25 now. She says, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Wow. She wasn't angry. She wasn't bitter. She wasn't upset. No, she was ready to come and worship. The Bible says she came and worshiped. Now, I can't prove this, but I picture her pastor falling at his feet. I picture her, her arms maybe that they grasp his ankles as the tears, the hot tears flow freely from her face and land on his sandaled feet. 
I picture that in my mind in verse 25 when the Bible says she came to him and worshiped saying, Lord, help me. Let me tell you, she wasn't offended by this. It didn't matter that all the circumstances seeming to be going against her. She was still going to come and she was still going to believe that the Lord Jesus was the only person that could help her. It didn't matter that he hadn't answered her initially. It didn't matter that the disciples had tried to send her away. It didn't matter now that he had said, I, I can't help you because you're not a Jew. She would not accept any of that as a reason to get bitter and angry against God. Instead, she came to him and she said, Lord, help me. Now you would think that the Savior's heart would melt at this. But that's not what happened. Look at verse 26. He answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now the Lord Jesus is using figurative language here. The bread represents the miraculous power of God. Okay? The children represent the children of Israel, the Jews. And the dogs, that was a common reference that the Jews used to refer to anyone who was not a Jew. So you and I would be dogs in their sight. And when the Bible uses the word dog, don't think of your little Labrador retriever that is the family pet and eats better than just about anybody else in the neighborhood. No, 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 that's not. Uh, I, I heard about a man who makes eggs for his dog and on a regular basis. Heard about that just this week. But uh, that, that may be you. Uh, I don't, don't know, but the reality is when the Bible uses the word dog, that's not what it's talking about. When the Bible uses the word dog, it is never in a good context, okay? Think of, think of coyotes. Think of wolves. I mean, uh, now if, you're, if you're a wolf advocate, please excuse me. I have no patience for wolves. I was in a county in Idaho where there is still a bounty on wolves. If you bring to the county government proof that you have shot a wolf, they will give you cash money. What a place to live. Now, that, they used to do that everywhere, okay? They don't do that so much anymore, and uh, there are people that are wolf advocates and say, well, wolves, all they ever do is just eat mice. I had a man tell me that one time. And uh, I, I'm not going to get into that now, but if you are a cattleman in this part of the country or in any of the intermountain west of the United States of America, if you are not against wolves now, you soon will be, Okay? Every cattleman in wolf country that I've ever talked to has talked about the wanton destruction that these things bring. One man even quantified it. He said, Brother Paul, last year it was $60,000 of cattle that I lost to federally implanted wolves. Okay? And it's not a very pleasant thing. Likewise, in Bible times, a dog was not a pleasant thing. Biblical dogs were not as big as the wolves in North America, but they were thought on about the same way. I mean, they were scavengers, they were mean, they were nasty, they often had mange, and, uh, and uh, it just, it, that's, that's just the way it is. And so when the Lord Jesus used the word dog, it was not in a good context at all. He said it would not be meat. The word means fitting or appropriate. It, would not, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. You don't do that. 
Now, if people didn't get offended in verse 24, surely they'll get offended in verse 26. Because the Lord Jesus effectively said, look, ma'am, it's just not right for me to take what was intended for children and to give it to dogs. And make no mistake, ma'am, you're a dog. And you would think that that there would be great offense in that statement, but that's not what happened. Notice what it says in verse 26. And she said, truth, Lord. Pastor Monday, there is an entire message in those two words alone. Let me tell you something. We've got all kinds of people that in a difficult time, in a time that, uh, that seems like the obstacles of life are pressing in on you or on me, the first thing we want to do is abandon whatever God has said. And we want to say, well, you know, the Bible says that, but uh, I, I found it not to be true in my life. You know what? This woman, that's not her reaction at all. She said, Lord, you ignored me at first, and I, I, I don't understand it, but I'm still going to cling to you in faith. And then, Lord, you said that, it is, that, uh, that, that uh, it's, it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. I don't understand it, but, Lord, you said it, truth, Lord. What an amazing answer. What a phenomenal answer of faith. No wonder the Lord Jesus will say it to her, what he says in just a couple of verses. She says, truth, Lord, but then she takes up the Lord's figurative language. Notice it in verse 27. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Lord, you've said the loaf of bread is not for me because I'm not a Jew. I don't understand it, but truth, Lord. Lord, you said the, br- the breaking of bread and the pulling apart of that bread, it's not for me. I'm not a Jew. I don't understand it, but truth, Lord. But Lord, Today, your power is so great, and in comparison, my problem is so small that I don't need a loaf of bread. If you'll permit me, I don't need a slice of bread. You save that for the children. All I need is an insignificant crumb that you wipe off the table and let the dogs come in and lick it up off the floor. Wow. No wonder the Lord Jesus said in the next verse, look at verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Now, before we look at verse 28 in closing, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Our Lord Jesus is not being cruel. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew who this woman was, and all the time he had every intention of meeting the need of her heart. We're going to read that in, in verse 28 in just a moment. But do you realize that for all of time, and not only all of time, but all of eternity, this woman's story will be held up as a showcase of great faith? You know what? Sometimes God allows things in your life and in mine that you don't necessarily like. They're not easy to deal with. But I wonder how many times is God affording you and me an opportunity to be a trophy of great faith. It can only happen in difficult times. 
But the Bible says that's exactly what happened. So this woman's faith was great because of the object of her faith. This woman's faith was great because of the obstacles to her faith. I want you to consider this woman's faith was great because of the outcome of her faith. That's in verse 28. Notice what it says. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. And then here it is. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Listen, nobody there wondered what she wanted. She had been following them. She had been crying after them. Those are the words of the disciples, remember? We read those earlier in the passage. And everybody knew, have mercy upon me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Lord, send her away. Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And, and he said, I'm not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she doesn't take that for an answer. She falls at his feet, and she says, Lord, help me. And then the Lord Jesus comes back and says, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And don't you know her daughter was made whole that very hour. We know the verse, I, I would hope. I'll start it. You fill in the word that I leave out. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I want to tell you tonight, as we've gathered here for this prayer and Bible study, I want to tell you tonight that you and I need to examine our trust in God and our faith. Because before us today is a choice, the choice that's there in the Gospel of Matthew. Are you going to be a person of little faith or are you going to be a person of great faith? I don't know about you, but I want to be in that great faith category. Father, Thank you so much for the opportunity to look into your word. What an amazing, amazing story. And Father, as we go forth from this place, Lord, we'll have heartaches, we'll have difficulties, but I pray that through them all, you would help us to cling to you and to be that showcase of great faith. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here tonight. You are dismissed. Enjoy one another's company a bit before you go home.